All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF, as it goes and keeps going. How's it go? How, wait, what's happening? What is happening? How are you? These words on this mic at this point in time, right now, and what follows here in, in the intro, not, not the interview. I'm going to be talking to, they might be giants in just a second. John Flansburg and John Linnell are both here. The Johns are here, or we're, we're here. But in the present, that would be after I talk to the Johns. These might be the last words I say in this structure. I put it off. I, you know, they're, they're going to show the house one more time right after I'm done talking here. And uh, then I, I set out to uh, purge the shelves and move the shit, folks. The plan is to move the shit, uh, at, at the very least, to move the recording apparatuses, apparati, to the new space, the new garage, uh, on Friday. And if I'm ambitious, if I'm enjoying the pickup truck, I'm going to load it up and take, and take the rest on Saturday, and we'll start, uh, we'll start broadcasting there from the clutter, from back like the old days. Back when, it, when this garage was just a garage. It's got to start somewhere. Yeah, before I get all the stuff on the shelves, it's going to be the mics at a table, just like we're starting over. But uh, this is it. This is it. I, I, I'm making some decisions about the books. I'm thinking about rele- releasing uh, Gravity's Rainbow back into the, the uh, used book ecosystem so someone else can put it on their shelf for a couple of decades with plans of embarking. But this is it. I'm looking around and I'm ready to take it down. I'm ready to take the pictures off the wall. I'm ready. And I want to thank all you people for, for being here through this process of... Thank you for mediating the separation. A lot of people are interested in buying the house. I think that's going to happen pretty quickly too. And uh, I'll just, I'm going to be moving not far. Six miles away into a new, slightly more spacious gar- garage with a bathroom... I'm going to bring the, uh, the, the foam from the ceilings, bring all the pictures and the books, going to absorb some sound in there too. I'm going to, I'm going to refine the book collection. I'm going to miss this place. I'm going to miss it. <sighs> yep. But this is it. These are the words. All right. I, did I mention to you, I think I mentioned briefly at the end of the last show that I watched all of the Stranger Things in two days. Uh, in preparation to talk to uh, David Harbour. I wanted to watch a few, but then I ended up watching all of them. And, uh, you know, for the first five or six, it, it hit some triggers. I, You know, I, I make the mistake of thinking that, you know, that I'm not a, a fantasy guy, that I'm not, you know, a sci-fi guy. But if there are kids involved and, and you know, they're they're at an age where the emotions are raw and also they're socially awkward. Uh, it just, it gets me right in the guts and uh, I'm emotionally attached. Uh, and I just thought the performances were amazing, but I, I locked in uh, because of the kids. And, you know, also because uh, this kind of stuff, this is another reason why I learned about myself is I don't like watching sci-fi or reading sci-fi because it hits my, uh, my uh, shadow government button it hits my conspiracy button. It reopens my portal into the, uh, the what is it called? The upside down, which is the dark part of my brain. 
because uh, for about the first five or six episodes of Stranger Things, I was like, yep, this uh, this adds up. Makes sense. Adds up. A little. I'm a little vague on how she manifested the whole. But uh, yeah, MK Ultra and stuff. I could see how this could lead to, uh, you know, the psychic phenomenon, then the symbiotic relationship of the psychic phenomenon with the actual parallel universe that it's not just in your mind, but uh, you think it is. But we all know, and I talked to David Harbour about it in in an upcoming episode about the elves on the parameter, the elves on the periphery, the uh, the the weird uh, faceless tooth filled monkey dogs that are just you know kind of uh just there if you just look out the side of your eye there's a little little flickering going on i know it's there so it triggered that but thankfully they didn't explore it thoroughly enough for me to get truly freaked out by my own thoughts about yeah what is reality but uh i was able just to enjoy it so there you go not that it needs a a great review for me but uh i just wanted you to know that uh, i i am apparently a latent a sci-fi fantasy fa- fan I, I and, and i'm i'm not ashamed of it because i i don't want to say that i'm i am i am re- a real fantasy or sci-fi fan because then i'd have to embark on that and uh go to comic-con and decide which characters i'm going to dress up as do cosplay uh you know there's a lot of it's um it's not it's not going to happen i just wanted to say that i i can't open my heart to it um if the journey is you know, kids who are awkward rising above and uh, saving the world. Like, I, I, I can get into that. I, my heart feels that. I mean, I'm not dead inside, folks. This is it, the last, the last of me talking in here. Oh, God, no, I'm not going to cry again. Enough with the crying. <sighs> so, listen, folks, they might be giants. They're here, the Johns. Uh, their most recent album is I Like Fun. It came out earlier this year, and you can get it wherever you get music. And I enjoy talking to the Johns. They might be giants. A great deal. One of them, the larger John, is quite the chatterbox. Is that Was that condescending? I, I had a good time. This is me and, uh, me and they might be giants, John Flansburg and John Linnell. John and John. Sir. Yes. They might be giants. Here we are. You're in my uh, my garage. I, I know. This is exciting. I'm glad like we got dream. to be in your historic garage before it's uh, turned over to the uh, yeah, it, you're Smithsonian the... Institution. Well, the people really- <laughs> Right next to uh, Julia uh, Child's Kitchen. Is it in there? Julia Child's yeah, Kitchen? Yeah, they have a reproduction of it. And, and by the way, if you do go, take a photograph of the wall because it has a- a fine wine list of the it has like a of chalk, the day it has a chalkboard of all the of all the wines that she needs to buy oh my god and so it's just it it's was like just a little there. Nice guide yeah yeah wow well some people thought i should do something with this place but i i don't know that uh i i guess it was culturally relevant i don't know if it's historical on in the in the big scheme of things well, I, I mean, I, I've been... I'm not fishing for compliments either. I'm just throwing it out sure, there. Sure, sure. Hold on a minute. Listen, listen. But I want to get my tea. Where okay, you? okay. <laughs> you guys get stuff. Where's mine? We got, we, yes, we need our stuff. We're talking like we're doing this already, but I, I can't tell. I don't know. Is this a thing this. that he does? Mark has left the room. <laughs> so, 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 right. so, have Mark, we started already? Are we, sure, are we okay, all right. What do you, yeah. so, what do you think? So, so, so it's hard to tell. We, we just jumped right in. 
Mark, I have to tell I you. I gave you more of an intro than I give anybody. I said John and John. You did yeah, do that. Those were That's extremely true. pro. Yeah. What were you uh, going to say? I just want to say, I've been listening to this show really from like from almost day one. Really? Yeah. And um, it, nothing, I, I mean, I, I thought it was a very interesting show. Yeah. I remember actually uh, recommending it to a, a bunch of people because I thought they could handle it. <laughs> um, but uh, you can but, handle. He's a very needy but broadcaster. I, was, I, was, I mean, I have to say, I thought the first at first, I thought like the WTF title. Yeah. It's a huge governor on how how popular it could ever be. Yeah. You know, you're not you thought it was a mistake, or you're it was not. Good. You're not getting it on NPR, but then you got it on NPR with a different title. I know. I, you're, fool, I, you're fooling everybody. Well, then, then the title initially was a was a broad title for a, a, an unclear idea. Uh, right. That that you know, in the first uh, dozen or so shows, we were kind of all over the place. I remember the comedy bits. Yeah, we had comedy bits. We comedy had, bits. That guy Matthew, my friend Matthew, uh, was in the room. They were oblique. Yes, comedy bits. <laughs> <laughs> like they did not, they did not land. They were, there was no place to land for. Oh, those you things. mean the the fake characters? The fake characters. Oh, that yeah. was here. The third act. The, it was third, like the third act, act was act. here. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you guys? Uh, I, the last time I saw you was at Fred's house. Mm-hmm. Fred Tomaselli, the artist. Yes. And uh, I'd never met you before. And Fred's a dear friend of my girlfriend Sarah, See, yep, the painter. Yep, yep. And they're painters. She's fantastic. Yeah, you like her? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, I do too. Uh, she's painting now. But uh, Fred is a is a hell of a guy, hell of a painter. He's terrific. He's, yeah, he's he's a, he's a very good friend of mine. I mean, how did you how long did you know him? Um, we've been sort of goofing around together for since the early late eighties, early nineties, I guess. We uh, actually uh, all lived in Williamsburg at a time when if you met someone under forty on the Bedford Avenue stop, you would. St- Stop, stop them and like, say, hey. "Hey, we should be friends," <laughs> because there right. just weren't that many people around. It was not. It was. I mean, it, it, to say it was. Bo- it was bohemian in the true sense of the word, which is that like nobody would want to be that way. Yeah, but know? when I mean, where did you? So you guys both still live in Brooklyn? Yeah, I live in Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, yeah. Flan- moved, Flans has moved east. to a secret location. I spend most of my time in the Cats in Sullivan County in the Catskills, near near where the Woodstock event actually happened. That's where you st- spend your time now. Most of my time, yeah, yeah. And uh, but you would, uh, but in other, in, if you're not there, you're at his house. No, I have, I have an, <laughs> I have an apartment, I have an apartment hey. in East Harlem that is that is nice. Mm-hmm. East Harlem, it can be revealed. It can be revealed. I've, I've actually, I have not talked about it in public until. Who are right you now. concerned uh, is going to take that information and and uh, and be uh, bad with it? Well, we're such a Brooklyn identified band that it's like oh. it's a it's a very weird thing to have. Yeah, left. it's like it's like me wearing glasses. Right, it's yeah. like you don't want it to be a big thing. Right, you know? right. Yeah. As you evolve, yeah, exactly. yeah. because yeah, people yeah. who are who are in who are committed to you who have been with you the whole ride are like, well, yeah. now what? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we were in Williams. I, I don't know what to believe. We're, we weren't ready for the right. change. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, 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 you know, we we moved to I moved to Williamsburg in I guess eighty two. Yeah. Lyle moved there in like eighty three, and so we, like we were there for a very long run. And of course, you know, nothing in New York stays the same. And it just turned into this kind of Euro disco extension of St. Mark's Place. It was never my dream to live in St. Mark's on St. Mark's Place. Did it? It is kind of it is extraordinarily new. They've torn down everything and oh, put oh, up. Oh, in terms of uh, the way it looks, they don't literally have. They haven't built a tunnel from St. Mark's. To... But like Euro Disco, when I lived in Astoria, yeah, uh, like around, like behind in the courtyard behind my building, there was a bar there called Boomerang. I think it was. I I want to say Baltic. I don't. It wasn't uh-huh. Euro, but it was. Oh like, no, no. I mean, I mean, like you know, like uh, that those uh, that Mark. Uh, that character on SNL, sort of like, oh, you know, oh, right. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. real, like, high-end Ger- yeah. German, I get you know. It. Yeah, like, yeah. We're right. buying New York. Not the original Polish Yeah, That stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and then there's yeah. there was the Uncas with the the strange, like Middle that Eastern stuff. Would beat. be I, you know I would, that Middle Eastern. I would beat? be fascinated to live near that. That I can't I can't even do it. It's like it's not four four. It's something else. Mm-hmm. It's another right. thing that's right. kind of engaging. The sixteenth, right. like thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah, second. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it cannot it, be a beat that cannot be sung. It's like Egyptiany. Yeah, yeah. Is that no, possible? I like. I. I it's it not, you guys are the scientists. It's not. It's not the music. <laughs> it's not the music that's the problem. No, I get it. I get it. It's the people that are have that own it's New York the lifestyle now. choices. But let's go back because I want to go back to the day, back in the day, because uh, I I'm not I'm not getting nostalgic with my own life, but I think we, we must be around the same age. Probably, no? yeah. We're yeah. a little bit older than you, yeah. I think. Are you really? Oh yeah, yeah. Really? Is that true? When did you When did you show up in Astoria? When 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 were you? I think I was in Astoria. How's that going to determine my age? Right? I don't know. I just, I'm I'm triangulating. <laughs> I'm starting by triangulating. I I here. think we ended up in Astoria in like '94, '95. Okay, all right. So you were here before that, and I was here in the in the late '80s for a couple of years. Then I went back to LA. Okay, uh, so you are, back to New York in. Like ninety two, you've lived almost everywhere. Yeah, and then I went yeah, to San yeah, Francisco yeah. for a couple of years, but then I was back in New York, like ninety two, ninety three, and then I dug back in ninety four, got married ninety five, got that yeah. place in Astoria, held okay. on to it for a while. Yeah, we were we were old guys the, by that time. Is we, that yeah. the, what? the Jody Lennon place? Yeah, yeah. I held on to that for a while. I think she's still in it. She is. Yeah, I ran into who with did her I asthmatic cat. What, how's uh, how's Stoli doing? I think he's doing good. They're both okay. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Okay. I mean, I, my wife is friends, so I'm not. I'm not like close with them. I see, like know them. we uh, we do run in similar circles. Then I ran into you in a circle that I I'm new to. Right. But I didn't know you. But I feel like we have similar friends. But I was sort of in a dirtier world than you. I feel like it's possible. Although we, so we were, <laughs> we had like more, you, we had more time to clean up because we got to New York in '81, I think. Yes. Right. And we were probably 21, 22. Oh, you are point. older than me. We're definitely yes, yes, older yes. than you. Yeah, yeah. I'm 54. We're fi- I'm 58. I'm 57. Yep. So not, but it's still generation, generationally. Yeah, yeah. Generation. How many minutes before we're talking about the Beatles? Huh? How many minutes before we're talking about the Beatles? <laughs> no, nah, you're not going to get that from me. Okay. I mean, I, I could see All it. Right. All right, then. The Rolling Stones. That's fine. I could okay. talk about the Rolling okay. Stones. You know that. Uh... <laughs> you, got, you got two boxes to check yeah. off. But you guys didn't grow up in New York. No, I, I oh, did. I did was, partly. He born, yeah, yeah, he, no, he I'm going to yell that at you. You didn't grow up there. Um, I didn't. I still haven't grown up. But I, I lived in New York till I was eight. Moved to the suburbs of Boston, where John and I met. Suburbs of Boston. Suburbs yes. of Boston. Now that was a that Metro was, West, as it's called yeah, now. Right, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's all the dot com millionaires. Is that true? Yeah, it's all techie now. What What part are we talking about? The Tom Schultzy part. The, oh well, you wee, know. Wee. I got the Walkman right back there. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Tom Schultz's wa- yeah. Walkman. No, he we, lived. He lived in the town of Lincoln. We grew up in this beautiful town called Lincoln. What's which that had, near? It's it's, it's near, near Concord and Lexington. It's basically oh, between. Those, yeah. For a long time, it was an un, it was unincorporated uh-huh. lands between like all these Revolutionary War towns. Right, and then I guess maybe I don't know when it was actually. It didn't have a school for a long time. There weren't that many people Lincoln? there. Lincoln. It's like 20 minutes west out of Boston, and it's a beautiful, oh, beautiful. It's, miss, the, uh, it's where the Audubon Society is. I mean, yeah. it's, that, it's that beautiful. I miss it. I yeah. miss it. Like, it's, it's a very pretty place. You know, I did a lot of time in New England. but, uh, but so It can you, feel like doing time. It can, but like when I was there, I was in college, so I was sort of oblivious to the, uh, the nature of the city itself. And it wasn't until right. I started doing comedy where I realized, wow, it's a... Uh, pretty intense out here in some of these suburbs but yeah. but but well there's some there's a lot of ideas going around but uh <laughs> but but the thing that we were just talking yesterday or two days ago about yeah. the the strange thing about boston now and this i guess this is true of all cities everywhere but like 
I was recently back in Central Square, which is a place I hung out a lot in the 70s. Sure. And Central Square, I mean, it wasn't Times Square filthy, but it was like taxi driver, cigarette butt. It was like, the dirtier one. It was an extremely dirty, like it was definitely like, you know, there would be like a trash can and in the trash can there would be a porn magazine. R- right. You know, right. it was that kind of place. Like it was a very f- kind of raunchy. But it was weird, wasn't it? Mor- because It was a morbidly obese kind of neighborhood. Right. But people used to say like, you know, can you believe it's that close to Cambridge? Like it's re- that close to Harvard Square. Right, right, like, right. But it was really only a few blocks. I mean, Central Square oh, was it's a five dicey. minute walk. Five minute walk. But it's very interesting about Boston and in San Francisco, to some degree, though, it's a little more spread out, is that, you know, like the 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 zone, the right. combat zone, right, right. was like four blocks. Right. It oh, was yeah. like nothing. Oh, it's a tiny town, for sure. You know- But the thing is, it's also, that's all gone. Like, when you I know. go to Central Square now, it's just like a gigantic uh, old navy. Is that true? Yeah. it's 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 been erased. Is the Middle East still there? It is like the, you know- the, oh, the club? The, the yeah. East. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, that's still yeah. there. That's oh, still there. T.T. the Bears? I'm not sure about T.T. the Bears. Is, uh, is O'Calcutta the in- Indian the, restaurant? The people, there? We, we, did, we did a New Year's show or around New Year's show at T.T. the Bears and sold so, our audience bought so few drinks that the, the managers of T.T. the Bears asked that we never return. <laughs> did you pack it though? <laughs> it was sold out and they sold like, you know, one, one, uh, one yeah. beer. You're, you're, that, was, that was Boston. Yeah. yeah. But our, but our, our you audience. attract good people. Our audience yeah. is a very sober crowd. But it was like, it was like one, it was a night that like re- heavily relied on beer, uh, on like drink sales. Sure, sure. Like a bar, and, you mean? Like yeah, a club well, where you play like music? <laughs> Well, but that's the thing is like, you know, like when you go from clubs to theaters, yeah. everything sure. changes. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like the dynamic changes because the promoters aren't looking to sell. You're not drink- You're not in the business so of you, selling drinks. Right. So you you're in the business a, of selling tickets. You can be a different kind of act. Of course. You can, you can, yeah, you can be, you can be an act uh, that, that plays at a place where you're proud to have your fans come. There's not, there's not going to be an element. Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever had to deal with that. We, we've Just, had elements. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I'm trying to think if, if we had elements in our boss. Boston show. Well, I'm thinking um, it seemed like there was a, a stretch there. I'm almost positive my mother is going to hear this this <laughs> yeah. podcast, which is one of the disturbing things about the internet is that is she that can so just do your it. Mom can just catch figure it out. Your mom can catch up with you. Yeah. We just got an interview request from High Times. Yeah, and they were like they would just like to, you to discuss your drug, your life it, with drugs, like even in the past tense. Yeah. And I'm like, my mom's gonna. I like. I really. I don't know if well, I want to go. How to much? A, how much of a life of drugs did you guys have? I don't want to Not talk much. about it here. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to talk about it here either. <laughs> but, but you're a grown ass man. Yeah, but it's like, but and so and and. You what know. are you hiding from your mother, John? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's time to let just, it out. Uh, you let know. me just speak to Polly Flansburg yeah, right yeah. now. If I, if I could, just, just, there's nothing. There's nothing to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's no it's, drugs. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll admit it. Pretty I've much. D- no I've drugs. done. I've done no drugs. <laughs> So that's what you're hiding. Is that's that, what I'm hiding. <laughs> there is yeah, no mystery. That's the part we don't want right. to get out. It's not, and it's not John's mom that doesn't need to know. <laughs> right, it. right. But anyway, we were, no, I was just thinking back on the shows. We did a show at, uh, what was the place in, in uh, 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 Jamaica Plain that we played a bunch of times? Oh. It was like a very, it was in mid, early early 90s. It was like what was that proto-grunge yeah. moment. Um and the Pixies opened up for us, which was and oh. before they were famous, and it was an amazing show. Yeah, that was. I thought that was Green Street Gr- uh, Station. Green is that Green Street Station? Is that I what believe, it's called? I believe is that's that, where we played with the Pixies before their album came. Sure, out. yeah, that, like they they were a virtually unknown band, yeah. and it was like one of those things where 
I mean, it was kind of like being in a club, and and you know, I mean, I've had this experience a couple of times. I saw Elvis Costello before his record came out, and that was like it was a very similar. Where thing. It was like in London? Oh yeah, I saw his basically before his the first, first record. Yeah, before his first public show, and uh, and it was a very similar experience where you're just like, oh. <laughs> like because you know you see you see a lot of good bands yeah you know you certainly yeah. you know we've yeah. seen a, had a lot of great we've had sure. amazing openers and you know very talented people but like when you see something that's just like oh this is like something <laughs> bigger than we completely <laughs> you know this yeah. is this is some musical unobtainium yeah you know and uh, but 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 the thing is I think my mom came to that show oh and she said those boys look no, no, like no, drugs no no but then there look was at a, that girl I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if it was a triple bill or if this was a like a show that I happened think you're two. right no it was the same show and but there, there was, was a third act there was a third act okay you describe and it was a, it was a man um, doing performance art and he was dressed as in a full body length vagina outfit. Um, which you know was, was completely for, for as far as we were our performances in New York. This would be like completely ordinary. Like was this in New York? Yeah, no, bring this the, is in Boston. Bring the vagina guy out. Yeah, right. he's on next. They might right. They might be giants around. We we need a we need a vagina. Was act. it was it the mangina? Is that what it was? It was a Boston act. We don't oh. know what, but I don't remember what he was called. I don't think yeah, it yeah. particularly went over. I mean, it was a very uh, how could that go over? It a, it, How's it, it going to go? Hey, what, do you, what do you do for the second minute? Right, right. I think it was I about think, his. He was he had raps. And right. I forget what he talked about. Oh. but he was like he was saying stuff about himself, and he, ladies, just that right. was his outfit. It, oh. Ladies and gentlemen, get it off me. Productions <laughs> introduces <laughs> the man in the full size, but, you know, but human basically, size. Every, every time. John's mom came out to see us. There'd be some appallingly <laughs> transgressive thing, and it, it, it happened in New York. It happened. And it in, happened yeah, the in same Boston. thing happened in New York and, with uh, uh, the guy who the guy dresses as uh, a giant cock. Uh, that was even. That was actually that's too weird to talk about. Though. But the point oh, is, the um, one in New York's too weird to point, talk the about. The point is, I think she 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 probably got used. Your to mother it already a while. went she, through she, it. She became inured to the idea. What happened in yeah. New York? You can't just like you know say yeah, it's, well, it's also it's sort it was, of it was sort a, of in I don't know it right. was a guy with no arms wearing yeah. a dress yeah. who was doing perform again performance art and uh -huh. he was mostly in German uh -huh. I think he, he was like saying stuff in German and um, and that was the uh, and then he did a, and then his his friend did a striptease while, that he, was, what it was? while he was yeah, reciting maybe. stuff was he the closer. Know. Or you, they open for you. I don't. It was he, on a, one of these bills where you know, you, you the, know, PS one twenty two in New York. Like, they I would think, have like a hundred different acts. It was on. a variety show. Yeah, but they, but this is important because well, this is New York up, in nineteen what eighty two. No, no, eighty nine. Because this is this like is, it's sort of the end of that performance art. Oh thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. We basically started. Like when we arrived in New York, New York was like the new wave fad was like, which was in in some ways kind of a hoax. The resurrection of new wave. No, it's no, no, no way, no, no way, right? No yeah, way. Sure, like, sure. like 1981, 82, there was like a suicide. Su uh, suicide. I don't. Suicide musically fits in, but I don't even know if they ever even had any audience at all. The the hot acts were like DNA, yeah. Lydia Lunch, right? The Contortions, which is a fantastic the act. Swans. Is Swans were part of their. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think like Live Skull, maybe yeah. sort of like proto. Uh, Sonic Youth kind of stuff, right, right. Glenn Bronca stuff. That stuff was all kind of getting a lot of uh, notice. But the thing that was weird, the thing that they all had in common, is that audiences hated it. Yeah. So there was like this weird <laughs> void, and club, and because of that, clubs were all these clubs that we, you know, we were arriving in New York thinking like, you know, we're just going to slide into, like we, I think we sort of thought like. You know, we were new wave guys. But were you like, gonna, okay, we were but punk rock guys. You put it together. So you grew up in Lincoln. You met in Lincoln? Yeah. You grew up together. Yeah, correct. He, he's a year yeah. older than me, so we didn't like we didn't really become friends until high school. But do you remember? Oh, okay. So you don't remember him moving with his family oh, no, I remember, when I remember, he was eight? I remember, I remember him when he was eight, yeah. Yeah? 
It was a oh, small, really? small school. I wasn't aware of John Nine. at that time. The, the awkward yeah. kid who showed up. He remembers you because he no, did no, no, something I, terrible. That, that's, this is new information. Oh, yeah. it really? I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't have like a strong... Trust me, you did not make a strong impression on me. <laughs> Don't flatter yourself. Hey. But you remember when the new kid no, no, showed no, up. I, no, when, I, new when I showed up, everything changed. Yeah, yeah. My, my whole life changed. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was, you know, it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. So, but in high school, you became friends? Yeah, yes. yeah. We both worked on the newspaper together. So, oh, newspaper nerds. Correct. Yeah. So you were, you, what, you were doing layout? You were doing yep. what you Yeah. Were, he we was were, the editor of the we paper. Were, we, were write, we were writing articles, which were basically like one of the teacher advisors was like, you should just call this Vanity Fair. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. He was, he was he, and he was right. Why? Because we, we were writing for ourselves. Well, because the know. problem was like you know the function of most high school papers is to like write stories about like the football team, right? But there was nobody on the paper who even could. Fit. Well, I mean, we did actually didn't go fake. to games. <laughs> yeah. We would get submissions of articles <laughs> about what happened at the football game, and I it was a good uh, expository writing lesson yeah. to try to figure out how to write. An interesting article about a football <laughs> game that you hadn't seen, <laughs> yeah. you know. So well, that's that a, a good. That's a whole school of journalism yeah. in and of itself. Yeah, it's like this yeah. was a fantastic game, <laughs> and so so you know, I wrote some of those articles. I'll admit it. And and all right, so you're hanging out, and what's going on musically at that time? This is seventy six, seventy seven. Yeah, yeah, it's like in there. I I had started playing piano, just teaching myself, and John owned a uh, tape recorder. Oh, but, very but important. Was, but was not a musician. Like a, I'm like sort a, of obsessed with sound. Yeah, I get that. So, like a like a regular tape recorder or a four track. Or I, like, I saved it. up. I I saved up like summer job money yeah. to buy a Tascam thirty three forty. Oh yeah, four track simul sync tape recorder. Most importantly, there were no drum machines, which is really the key element to. So you had a recorder. Yeah, if you did anything you with a drums, pulse, yeah, if you had yeah. a pu- one something with a pulse, you'd have to find a pulse making thing or make your own. Right, you could, you could concoct. And also, a lot of times you would do stuff with like tape loops. Yeah, and yeah. And, and because it's a loop, you can kind of create like a, a pulse, a pulsing thing out of the loop. Yeah, I knew a guy that was very into uh, layering things and doing. I remember we did a recording at his house on something similar to that, and we he he did a drum loop on uh, playing the, with the sticks on a guitar case and just like layered that sure, in. Absolutely right. God, yeah. it's so good. It but was it, so it, but good. it comes up, it comes up against this idea that I think is sort of like there's a lot of I mean this this idea happens comes up on your show a lot, which is the thing that's more fun to do than it is to experience as an audience. Yeah, and I think the problem with that kind of music, like the bedroom rock in yeah. general, is it's really fun to make. But it's not particularly fun to listen to. But 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 now when you say bedroom rock, you're you're talking about you know like well, that's Brian, any, anybody, Brian Eno. That's anybody. I mean, anyone's working in their studio. Well, it felt, right now. it felt like it didn't feel that different than probably Brian Eno in some right. ways. I mean, yeah. I think Brian Eno's probably better at it. Than He's got a nicer bedroom and yeah, probably yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> a nicer equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know how good the, how how much it matters. Like if how good the equipment is. No, I think you're right. I think the the excitement of of discovery yes, that you can yes. do when you get a handle on that technology has got to be just mind blowing. I mean, just like if you're that if you have that kind of focus. Oh, it's where you're completely like, right, magical. I'm, you're in yeah. all day. You're, yeah, you're yeah. in. It's yeah, super fun. Exactly. It's, there's nothing more fun. Yeah. So you met him and he had the task cam. He had the yeah. tape recorder. I had the and I and it, a little a few years into our friendship, I um. Well, two things. I I started playing with a um, a new wave band, and a you real picked band. up you picked up a guitar that your friend had given you with with which had only three strings. Yeah, and started to teach yourself just the first three strings. This is one of those uh, this altered guitar sort of discovery invention. Well, yeah, not I, I, not intentionally. I think, yeah. I think it was more like you only had three strings. Yeah, and so you, you started with that. Well, and it was and, also I, I had. You it didn't was, know it needed more. 
Well, I could make chords with it, and sure. that, that was all I felt like it's I really even, needed to do. That's not even a full ukulele. No, it was no. like, no. But it was sort of like punk rock amnesty day. Like, it sure. was 1977. Like, yeah. uh, there was, you know, I remember you I don't saw- need, You don't need all the strings No punk rock? I, I saw the Sex Pistols, you know, like, our friend Jimmy, who was like a big Cream Magazine kind of- uh, I mean, he's. I feel like Lester Bangs is kind of like if you just think of Lester Bangs, yeah, he's like the Lester Bangs of our personal life, right? Like he introduced us to. You a had to have things. one at that like time. He, yeah. he played. He played us like Patty Smith's Piss Factory, and he played us like the Ramones. Like I, yeah. I, the first time I heard the Ramones was like in his attic room. You know, and he had a copy of the Ramones, and he's How like, great was "You've that? got to listen to this." Yeah, it, like we fell out. You know, it was just yeah. like this is the most <laughs> insane. <laughs> You know, because part of it that was so great was that it was incredible. Never happened again. It was incredibly powerful music. <laughs> It'll never happen again. It was incredibly again. powerful music. And also, there's this part of it that's like, is this a joke? Yeah. Like, right. and, and the combination of like, is this a joke? And it being so good. Right. You know, it's like, what they're talking about is so fucked up. Yeah. I mean, it's like, there's Sniffing like- Sniffing you know, glue like, and- yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just like, all, and, and it's like, without no apologies, no, they're not bragging. Yet, because of the type of music it is, it almost sounds like novelty music. Yeah, well, it's but like- it's, But it rocks so hard. It rocks it so hard. I mean, yeah. it's not, and yeah, I mean, it it, just, it, it it asks a lot more questions than it answers. That's yeah, but sure. I like that. That's an interesting sort of reaction to the Ramones. Like, is this a, is this a joke? But, but like, then you realize how hard it's rocking. It's like undeniably not well, a joke. There's a great, there's a great, Great cassette tape of uh, that that um, Danny Fields made of Lou Reed that was recorded in a recording studio right after yeah. Danny Fields played him the Ramones. Yeah, and it's a very similar thing. Yeah, and like Lou Reed is just like, "That's it, that's it. I'm done. We're done. <laughs> it's over. Forget it. They nailed it. They did it. They did it." <laughs> and it's like this. It's like what you know? Yeah. Like, and like you know, you think about Lou Reed. Like Lou Reed is the guy who does like the press conference in Japan with like 800 people there. Yeah. He's like. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. get I, get, why, what are you people doing? But Lou Reed, you know, Lou Reed had room. this, he had an advantage over us, which is he kind of came from that same world. He as invented the something. But yeah. he also came from the working class yeah. New York thing. Oh, that's right. And so part of the mystery for us was like, we're these suburban kids who are like, what are these guys doing? You know, <laughs> but like, on some level, like, you know, you got to, there has to be this timeline where Lou Reed knows that without him, that that whole thing down there. I, I'd happen. be curious to know how much he credited himself. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, um, I don't think sound wise, but certainly in terms of pushing the envelope and pushing it in New York. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. making room. But for also, things. I think New York also just grows stuff like that. I think that's true. You know, yeah, so, I think that's true. So, it just grows Ramones. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> there are a lot of Ramones. But also, I mean, I think you know, I think mu musicians often. You know they don't. Nobody wants to admit it, but like they're you know they will feel competitive with their contemporaries, sure. and uh, and nothing is like as much like when you play a rock festival. It's like you know, you know, yeah. Behind the scenes, it's like, well, who won? You know? I, dude, I'm sure it's the same. And then, I, I well, I don't do it with comedy much because it's you know it's not it's not fair in the sense that because you're lying to yourself. No, because like you know, after a certain point, you realize that that certain comics with certain audiences are going right, to do certain got a things. things. Right, right. Of course, and I think that's the same with, well, with I, music. Yeah, but yeah. last night I went out and I, I rarely play publicly. Mm -hmm. You know, and I took my uh, Les Paul Deluxe. Oh, you played music? Uh, yeah, publicly. yeah, Jimmy Vivino. Oh, he's a well, he's a, a very generous guy. Hey, Jimmy, yeah, yeah. he's a great nice guy. Well, he does a night out in Burbank at this joint. So, and he said, "Come down and play a couple." And I was like, oh, my God. Wow. And, uh, you know, it, and there's all these old dudes, these old guitar players, and they're just around, hanging out. 
And I definitely felt that, like, God, I hope I can get it up for this. Like, I, I hope <laughs> no. I can land this yeah, thing that's... just so I don't feel like I'm, uh, you know, like impotent. There's a, there's a, a right. an almost biological challenge to it that you don't, you want to at least show up for yourself. Right, right. And, you well, know, it's not in losing. I knew I was going to lose. But if I could honor what it is that I do, you right. know, as rough as I do it and it's mine, then I did all right. That's interesting. Well, I think we take more of like a like an auteur approach where I think, like yeah. we can we can uh, not necessarily, you know, do the thing you're talking about. Yeah. The, the, uh, we can suck pretty hard. We can suck, but we but we have we we're we're hiding behind our ideas. No, think, but yeah, but the like, thing is, is that no matter what you guys do, I think it's it's very similar. Is that you know you've created this world for yourself, a, a yeah, sound, yeah, a tone, yeah. we've, we've a got voice, a, a structure. You're undeniably we've you. got a brand. Yeah. yeah Wait, yeah. I don't know why I call it a brand. Yeah. Like, why not call it a, a, a universe? Like, yeah, or, 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 or just like uh, a voice. We've got a, a voice. I want a universe. You I'll do take, have I'll a take voice. it. I'll take it. Because like, you know, you're like after two seconds of one of your songs, you're like, ah, they might be giants. You can't, right, there's right, no right. denying it. But I think like the thing, the thing. Isn't that what you're trying to do though? I think, uh, yeah, I think we're doing, trying to do a lot of different things. No, I mean, at the beginning, at the at, beginning. Well, I oh, think well, even, well, even at the beginning. So, so the thing about it is about though, it. is that we're, 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 tr we're doing this for ourselves, you know, primarily like we're, we're trying to impress ourselves, and I think part of it is like, you know, how you don't necessarily recognize yourself in the mirror. All yeah. like you, you're not so a, used to get, your getting not, harder. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like you, 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 you're so yeah. used to your own thing that you're what you're really trying to do is is is, is try and expand on it as much as possible. Right. So I don't think, in other words, I don't. I think that we, for example, yeah, um, we we'd been doing this for what was it like? 20 years when we before we started doing uh we made our first children's record and the reason we one of the reasons we waited so long was we didn't think people would we didn't want to confuse anybody you know what do you mean that we they they think oh this is this, this is what is, this is what they that? are yeah yeah we so, didn't want people to think that we had fundamentally changed our act well but right? let me ask you something though i mean the, the interesting thing about the timing of that though mm -hmm. uh looking at it right. is that you know, given that your fans are are generally decent people who don't drink i'm sure that most of them have families and and and, and well, oh, yeah, a lot yeah, of them yeah. do yeah sure that well, generation I mean, of your i think well, we you have, have, you have a very kids? Yes, you both have. Kids. I, I do not have kids. I have okay, two, I have two cats. Yeah, I have, I have cats. Three yeah, cats, yeah. no kids. I'm I'm with you. But but <laughs> but you must have known, like you know, these kids need things, and it'd be nice to entertain them. We, well, John and I did discuss this from the position of like kids deserve not just that good pop music, kind of classic, like <laughs> condescending, like blah blah blah. This is good enough. Yeah, you know, right. When you do a like, kids album, it's it like people come out of the woodwork telling you like what how you should do it. They're like it's it's like that the part in the graduate where the guy says plastic. Yeah, it's like that. They're like dinosaurs. I'm telling you, kids love dinosaurs. <laughs> and 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 it's and it's true. Kids do love dinosaurs. And one of our most popular songs is about dinosaurs, written yeah. written by our bass player. But the truth is, like I think what we want to do. And and John John sort of nailed this in one conversation we were having about it, which is like, like the way people like the adults like the soprano. We yeah. want to write we want to write kids music 
that like appeals to kids the way The Sopranos appeals to adults. Like they're just waiting for the it's next just, song. It's just like yeah, it's just like it's surprising. You know, something yeah, oh, that's right. surprising. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Something that like captures their imagination that takes them to somewhere else that isn't just like about like fortifying them with like vitamin enriched information or like a morality tale about a dinosaur. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's just the like dinosaur that broke its foot. Not everything that kids experience has to be good for them. And I that's think that right. was that was sort of our our little breakthrough. I think. Oh, you're like we're gonna do the. We're going to do the kids' album for the dark stuff, you well, know, for the the stuff that they're going to be a little or it uncomfortable. Just doesn't, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't dark, have to be nutritional. I think it that's doesn't, have, it doesn't have to make them better at being kids. Oh, I see. Or they don't have to learn. Yeah, they don't. Exactly. It doesn't have to be. They about don't being, have to learn. And even just, the, and even the records we've done that are you know in air quotes like educational. Uh-huh. They're still, I mean, they're just interesting records. I mean, it's just, and we dedicate a lot of production value and a lot of time, and, and like we take on those projects very seriously, which is the other thing is that when, the more you do educational, the more you do kid stuff, the re, you realize how, what a world of hacks the rest of, I mean, a lot of people doing it's a racket. kid stuff. Sure. It's just like, well, I couldn't do the real stuff, so I did some kid stuff. Oh, really? Like, and and they like, and a lot uh, of them find success in that. Oh, you can certainly, you can find tons of success. That's the that. cliche anyway. Like that's, you know. But I mean, once a, you get a break with a kid thing, like it, what, it, it, it's not, it's not like uh, the Wild West. Not like anybody can just make a fortune doing kid stuff. Uh, I don't know about fortunes, but you can certainly. I mean, there's a whole regional kids w- music making. Well, yeah, I had Zanes in here from the mm-hmm. Del Fuego's, mm-hmm. right? And he's like the world music kids guy, right? Like, and he's he, he makes he, great kids albums, though. I mean, he he, he makes yeah, these he uses great musicians, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. But let's go back before we get to uh, exploiting children for let's, money. Um, let's <laughs> let's <laughs> we'll come back to the exploiting right. kids. <laughs> That'll be hour two. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I I think that the uh, like I said at the beginning, the time that you guys sort of surfaced was a very exciting and, and changing time in music. So you guys, so you're in a band now in uh, Lincoln. A oh, new wave band. Well, yeah, it's Pro- in, Bo- in in Boston, moved Boston. out to Boston. And, and what year is this? Seventy seven. This was, was seventy nine. So you you moved to Boston. Moved to, to play Boston. Music. Yeah. Where were you living? Um, everywhere. You know, like when you're a yeah. certain age, you just move every month, basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 Where'd so you sort like, of land it though? Like, because you're talking about Central Square. You remember Kenmore Square, dude? Sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that place is just nothing. He played in Kenmore Square many times at the In Square Men's Bar. In Square Men's Bar? Yeah, the Mundanes. Bar, yeah. The Mundanes yeah. were a huge... He was in a band called the Mundanes. That's the Mundanes. New, new, new Wave Mundanes. band, yeah. And they were based out of Providence, Rhode Island. They were a big, like, brown, rizzy kind of band. And this is right after, like, the Talking Heads had blown up. So there was, like, this whole sort of, like... So we got to be the Providence. opening act for every New Wave thing that came through it, Providence. Through, through Providence. Yeah, so, so we, got to, we, we opened for the Ramones and the Talking Heads because there was nobody else that was appropriate and this was in the late 70s late 70s but the post new wave thing like the early like late late 70s early 80s stuff spawned some of the weirdest most mutant kind of ideas because everyone was like all right we've done this short song thing that and this um weird hardcore like post slam dancey post skinhead post oi thing there was like sort of like what i guess like uh the guy who just died from uh, the fall, like that—that that kind of music, kind of What's was his name? Really Mark Mark E. Smith. But like, I remember New Wave really set out to kill disco because I was in junior high. I mean, you guys were out already, but like, we had a real problem with disco. Yep. You know, in seventy six, yes, yes. seventy five. Oh, see, we we kind of loved. You were disco. out. We kind of. I, loved well, I like it now. I mean, I can listen to it and I can respect I the Night Beaches no, records and Donna for, Summer. Well, you say, always liked it. No, no, I would say for me, it was it was it was treacly, horrible stuff until. 
Somewhere around I Feel Love by... by oh, that's I Feel Love was a real game changer. Yeah. That yeah. was Donna Summer, yeah. 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 something yeah. else. But Giorgio yeah. Marauder Giorgio Marauder did the production, it. yeah. Mm. So he's yeah. so it was had this you know very German kind of the craft, bass craft work. Yeah. Oh, the, it, see, it I didn't that. get into craft work until like a year that? ago. Who Jimmy did? Mac also played us craft work for the first time. He That's played true. us craft work yeah. and the Ramones. Uh, yeah. So yeah. he laid out your life for you. He was he the source. Was yeah, huge. yeah. He it's a shame huge. he's passed away, but he was the sort of the holy ghost. Did you send him Christmas cards every year? Like thank you notes. Hey, dude, thanks. Oh, we did. We we dedicated our first album to him. Actually, yeah. yeah. Jimmy, what? Jimmy Mac, James McIntyre. He he was he's like an incredible guy. Like he he just uh, oh, he had man. really really craft work in the remote. He was open. like, you guys ready? Yeah. He, had well, he really... also he wrote all the music reviews in in the newspaper school paper. In the yeah, school paper. And so he so, was notorious. He, but but he but he was writing music reviews about music. I would think that was very. Um, uh, not popular. No, no. I mean, he would write about the popular stuff as well. He was very Lester Bangsy. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I think, I think, like you know, the whole thing of growing up in the seventies and the time that we did, there were a lot of cultural things that barely even scan now that that were so influential. Like just the idea of freeform radio. Oh we, yeah. You know, we make we make these records that have a lot of different musical styles. Yeah. And we, you know, we started without a drummer. Right. But um, and so we were like very free to do any kind of rhythms we wanted to do or any like make arrangements big or small. But I think also just growing up with BCN. Oh where yeah. They, where they would have the you know the playlist would be this wide open thing where. You'd be listening to stuff from the you know the forties and the fifties yeah. and the sixties. It didn't matter what t- you know, era it was. Yeah, it, it, was it, a- it was militant. I mean, they play like the Rite of Spring and stuff. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they played. You know, it they was were all over the late very, night too. Very like, yeah. wide. Who's they were the late out, night they were guy? Out, but it, but but it was like late night all the time there. I know. <laughs> I mean, it was like it, it was it was. Uh, they were out to blow your mind. Like, yeah, they, yeah. they really wanted to change your expectation of what was happening. On the radio, and how it was, great was that? It was, and like, I think it's almost impossible to describe. I mean, it's it's like saying like there was a time when you know. I mean, I'm not saying it was children, it, right? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it was necessarily the best radio ever made, but it was so different than. It's almost inconceivable to me now that well, somebody the, would do that. Well, the mainstream was so defined and yes. so market driven. Yeah. So you know, to to get out from under you know Bob Seger. You know, at any given point in time, yeah, it's right. sort of a chore. Which right. they, I mean, they played Bob. It would be hard, you know. I imagine like it maybe wouldn't be that impressive to hear it or to see the playlist. Now it's like we talk to the younger members of our band about watching Laugh-In when we were kids. Oh yeah, and they're like, "What the hell is wrong with you? Like, why right. do you?" It's like it was like, never funny, and it's it like, was well, never funny. Well, I was actually, like, no, it was funny. Actually, at a moment, it was. I mean, <laughs> it was mind blowing. Yeah, it's hard to get your mind blown so much now. Yeah, and and, and like the Cars were a huge shift. Mm-hmm. Yes. I saw the Cars second show because Jimmy Mac took me to it. Right, so that was a big shift. much better when you couldn't understand the lyrics. <laughs> oh yeah, well, and also amazing they, when you couldn't also understand they didn't the have like the big three part harmonies. It, it was a very the live show was very different before their first album, but they were very well rehearsed. And a lot of the new wave, a lot of the bands at the Rat, I would go to all every weekend. I would go to the Rat in '77 with my big. Do you remember Mitch? I had yeah, I had a fake, I had a fake WBCN ID, uh-huh. and so I could just get it. I was you know I was pro- actually I was I, think I was 15 years old. Yeah, and but I could get into every show with my fake. Jimmy worked at WBCN as a promo guy. Yeah. And I would get into the show and we'd get really good seats. We'd be like the first people there. You'd go downstairs. Yeah, go downstairs. Yeah. I had my my cassette tape recorder. Yeah. I'd record everything. Really? And uh yeah, and I saw the I saw the cars. And they were shockingly good. Well, yeah, this and going into the basement of the rat was pretty exciting. Oh, it was super did you fun. Got, were, did you got to play the rat? I, I played well in the mundanes. We we played the rat. Yeah, that, and I can't that, remember if we that horrible back there? dressing room. We never played. The I rat. guess we the never. Rat, I guess we close. the 
Giants never played there. But Wait, why? Because for, it was for it, people. You were it, around then. I think we actually got because we, we were out of New York. Our oh, right. our okay. club our real club days were in New York City. I mean, we played every club in New York constantly from like. Okay, so he's in the Mundanes. When does the the thing we moved, start? We the Mundanes moved to New York to make it big. From and Providence. I, from, from Providence. Providence. Yeah. I moved from Ohio, where I'm 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 going to Antioch College to Pratt Institute to get a a degree as in fine arts. Yeah. And um, what, what fine art? Uh, painting, printmaking, okay. and um, and then um, so we move into the same building, which is filled with our friends from from Lincoln and Sudbury. By coincidence? No, no. Well, it's so just we, like that's how we you, the people that we knew in New York. You know, yeah. one person. You say like, yeah. is there an apartment opening up? It's like, yeah. yes, there is. It's in the worst building in Brooklyn. Right. But know. we're all there. There's plenty. Which, of, by the way, is, plenty, na- is now entirely unaffordable by right. by any of us. Of course, yeah. it's in Park it's, Slope. Yeah, wow. it's in Park yeah. Slope. But like at the time, it was on a block with like one third. Where you sit there going like, we're, we're not even really in New York. I think we kind of like Brooklyn actually. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. even even it then was, even though it was scary, there it was super high crime and scary and yeah. and it as was, John was about to say, a third of the buildings on the row had actually been torched by the landlords to collect the insurance. It was that post like, Fort Apache moment where a lot of landlords the 70s, buildings were mid 70s. Up, no, late like n- 1980 81 was Oh really? When, there was a huge amount of flight out of Brooklyn. And so the buildings became too expensive to me. They didn't want to pay for the, like just paying for the insurance or the right. mortgage was killing landlords. So yeah. they would just burn the building down. And it was a little bit of, you know, lightning yeah. would strike these sure. buildings. Sure. And so next, the block over from us was like the heroin. Thank district. you for not saying Jewish lightning. Well, it's it, people use all sorts. There's also Italian lightning. Yeah, there's, you know, insert, insert your your racial yeah. your racist epithet <laughs> right. here. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, th- so it was ethnic lightning. Ethnic lightning. Eth- ethnic lightning was was everywhere, and so like the heroin district was right next door to us. And like I would look out the back, of my you know, I was in a railroad apartment looking out my window, and there would just be garbage can fires like every single night. I'm like. Why do those people want to light those garbage cans on fire? Like, what's going on out there? The dopeans were down there. They were there. That was the that was the district. The district all, they were all like I lived on uh, in Alphabet City. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like there were very defined heroin neighborhoods. All yeah, the city. yeah. Well, you want to know where you are. It's a big business. It was yeah. a big business. So um, that brought you, know, you guys together. That, that put us back in the same place. Yeah, and then yeah. we started sharing equipment. I still had my tape recorder. We with actually, me. I think we actually started doing recordings even when I was still in this other band. Yeah, and John was in school, and then gradually that just started to seem like, well, this is more interesting. On the Tascam, on the Tascam, on the Tiac, yeah, yeah. On the Tiac, it was a Tiac. Oh, Tiac. Sorry. So, what what were you playing? Who was playing what? Well, John had a Moog synthesizer, which we could then create a pulse with, and we do we sort of construct these rhythm tracks. On the th- on the three tracks, bounce them down to one. Yeah, right. and then we'd play along, and then maybe I add think a couple had a bunch overdubs. of like tambourines and stuff. Yeah, right? we yeah. just had like sort of pots and pans, and so we just kind of create these tracks that we would then play. We would rehearse to these tracks, and it, we rehearse you know, what songs? Like we would write songs to these rhythm, rhythm tracks. tracks. I get it. Yeah. yeah. So we were a two. We were like a two man band. Yeah. And then and you were playing guitar. I was playing the guitar. I'd sort of learned how to play the guitar. Although when we right when we started, I couldn't sing and play at the same time, which is an idea that really blows my mind. Like, yeah, I, it was that it's raw. Hard. It's hard. I mean, it's like juggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, you know, then the drum machines started coming in very soon after that, like just emerging. Yeah. Uh, Chris Butler from the Waitresses actually lent us his uh, DMX drum machine, which is the sound of 
like uh, King of, I guess King of Rock by Run DMC. Uh huh. It's like all the drum sounds. You know, this is you know the snare sound is, and 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 the kick drum sound is. So everything you everything you do on it, like you know you you know it's like you want to do a ballad. How about right. <laughs> but it was very synthy, right? In other words, it yeah. was not samples. It, it was yeah. like it was like the the tom tom was like do you know? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it wasn't yeah. a recording of yeah, a tom. Yeah, it wasn't a rec- it was, so. It was a drum machine. Yeah, you know, yeah emphasis right. on machine. Right, yeah. right. Um, they but, hadn't done the sampling yeah. thing yet because I remember when that happened. Everyone was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, exactly. Yeah, it meant we, everything. We, we saw us. it was like a truck coming towards us because yeah. that, that was developing while we were doing this thing. Yeah. Um, and but, it was kind of so exciting. you were excited. We were very excited, yeah, yeah. and we were very excited to be in a two man band because the truth is, like you know, John had been in bands. I was in other bands in, in college with people, and you know, it's hard to be in a band. It's hard to you know, everybody has this sort of like it's a democracy sort of maybe. Maybe you're with like a visionary person who's got a very clear idea of how to do something great. But the push pull of a band can be ve- can make you feel like you're doing something sort of mediocre. Uh-huh. Like it's very like it, it becomes those you learn like the problem of things made by committee very quickly being in a band. Uh-huh. And I think for both me and John we wanted to do something that had like no compromises. Like even if it's the most fragile, indefensible idea, like let's just do something that is just like for ourselves that satisfies us well it was fortunate that you guys thought the same way i guess because yeah you're yeah, saying yeah. you didn't yeah. fight each oh, other I think we, well, we also we convinced each other i think there was sort of like i think we made each other braver yeah individually and and certainly in my earlier bands i was like we i got to figure out what people want uh-huh. you know and yeah. do that what is it what do they want and yeah, then right. eventually john and i like discussed and we're like fuck that you know we're gonna we're gonna don't really need do to a thing care we about like. what people want <laughs> Yeah, you let the don't. people come to us. Well, the, and then the weird thing is, so, so we kind of like you know. But did you think? Away. But did you think at that time we're sort of like we're doing things that we cannot perform live? There was yes, yes. There mm-hmm. that was a part of it. That was something we wanted to make sure we didn't do too much of. We didn't want the tape. We restricted the tape to just be rhythms and a bass line, uh-huh. and we didn't really have too many things that were like sound effects driven or like we we even though it was years before Millie Vanilli, I think we had an awareness that we didn't want the track to like overwhelm what we were doing on stage. So we right. kind of had a little bit of a governor on what was on the track. But to be perfectly honest and, th- and I think this is, I think I realized in the fullness of time our impression was complete in, for a lot of people was not the same. Um uh What do you mean? We thought we were a real band. I mean like yeah, we yeah, yeah. we thought there was no <laughs> shortcoming to what we were yeah, doing. I think I think like because like, I remember discussing this like at some point I said something about how like quaint the drums were and you were like what are you, what are you talking about? Right, you right. Know, like, I mean I I mean personally as the guitar player in the band like I felt like like we were like we were you know we were ACDC man. Like you know we were we were like rocking like when we when we were really rocking out we were rocking out as hard as anybody rocks right. out. Yeah. yeah. And it was like totally visceral and physical and real. Yeah. And the fact that there was like a drum machine behind us like yeah there's a drum machine behind us because drum machines are the coolest things in the world. <laughs> like you wish you had a drum machine. You yeah. just got a drummer. We've got a drum machine. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make mistakes. It doesn't get high before the show. Yeah. Deal with that. I remember yeah. John saying this thing about like somebody who'd seen Van Halen playing yeah. in a in one of the earliest gigs at a tiny club, right. and they were playing as if they were playing in a in a gigantic uh, yeah, stadium, sure, like right from the beginning, right. And how crazy, like how deluded you have to be to convince yourself that that's you know. Yeah, but then that carries you. You know, then then people get the the three guys watching. You're like, I just saw the most awesome right. show. I mean, and and then the truth is, is like, it like your Pixies moment where you're it's like, oh my god, this is bigger than life. But they were doing something. No one. They were doing really something. Done. They were yeah, doing yeah. something else. But you know, the the truth is like, 
our lucky our luckiest break is that you know even though we had made the decision that we weren't going to sort of you know try to calculate what audiences want i mean i think there i think there are a lot of performers and a lot of songwriters who do a really good job yeah. of like they do a very good job of figuring out what satisfies people even though we had kind of put that on the shelf audiences took to what we were doing almost right away i think they saw maybe maybe they saw a lot of themselves reflected in what we were doing like that that we you know we might not have reminded them of mick jagger but we probably reminded them of their like you know crazy creative brother i i it's hard to reconstruct what people made of it and but it I, went I over think, i guess yeah, it definitely went over. well you but, you found your audience pretty quickly yeah i mean it began, it began with friends you know we had friends come to see us and, and this and, before the first record yes yes, yes. We had, and there's a long interval yeah. before and there and there was a little you know as you know there's like a little scene in the east village um and and so there so it turned out it wasn't cbgb it was um these performance Spaces, places. the Pyramid yeah. Club, HC, sure. Dorica, yeah, th- those yeah. those places. The Pyramid where Pyramid what? Pyramid Club yeah. on Avenue, 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 Avenue A. Yeah, I know that it was, one. In, yeah. was wildly successful at the time. I mean, the mid '80s scene was like when performance art ha- was really happening, and we fell we folded into that perfectly, like the second generation of the performance artists. Right? Yeah, yeah was, not okay. not not Soho like loft right, performance right, art. Right, right. This was much more gonzo. Like right. there's a lot of drag. There was a lot of really transgressive stuff that, that uh, we, sure. I would invite my mother to. Right, yeah. and um, and then there were these campy musicians and and things. That, who were some of the other ones? Uh, I mean, we did shows with like I mean the the bands that made it. Out, well, one thing, the bands that made it out of there. Like you know, were Live Skull, uh, Butthole Surfers, uh-huh. uh, um, you know, I mean Sonic Youth, but um, the, a lot you're of you're very different from them. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah, like, yeah, you're almost like musically the opposite. We would we would be like uh, you know the op- we'd be like the at the top of the bill, and they would be at the end of the bill. So, and so they'd have performance art in the middle. The performance art was the was the big draw. Right, and those right. things, those things. So it'd be like Karen remember, Karen Finley, Karen was Finley, the or, or Popo, or right, you yeah. know uh, something. I get it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but, it was, but it's just uh, a I'm just scene. trying to frame. So it was not a rock scene. So right, but 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 what you were doing were were sort of finely kind of uh, crafted pop songs with it with it with it. There was a see, we we had a lot of transgressive stuff in the beginning like when what? we started. These screamy songs that really went over great, but like on record, the sound. Unlistenable. Wait, you guys telling me that you did like noise rock, like no wave uh, kind of? Yeah. Not no quite. Wave. Well, I mean, we, it was it was musical, but also there it involved like John had a gigantic, and he and we've still done this recently. He had a, a tree trunk that he would bash on the stage, uh-huh. which was mic, um, which had a mic on it. Uh-huh. Um, Sounded great. And yeah. we did, you know, like we did little. We did. I think we were like trying to fit in to some extent. We were. We did like little. We did a thing where we had an kind egg of art that, rock. We had an egg yeah. that spoke to the audience, and then we did a magic trick where we crushed the egg. Right. So you had a comedy bit. It's kind of. I don't know if it was funny, but we smashed the <laughs> no, egg. It was not. It, it was started funny. singing, and we smashed it, and then it continued singing. That was the. Oh, yeah. That's what I remember of that particular. So you had a you had an act. It was an it act. Was very, yeah. It was all, all, all very much an act. <laughs> yeah, it was an act. <laughs> I mean, you know, in those did, cl- did in shtick. those in those clubs. Uh, props didn't mean what they mean in like no, a no, comedy no, I'm just venue. Trying, no, no, I know. I, I'm not. I mean, I'm that's not, the weird thing is that it, it recontextualized everything. Like really reshuffled it. But that. but there was always a comic element to a lot of performance art, whether they wanted to be there or not. And right, that's not right, right. not in a mocking way. Is that you know that you know when you go over the top, whether it's with drag or with cans of yams or nudity, whatever right, you're going right, to do, right. that you're elevating something to oh, a burlesque. Oh, you're right. Of some a, lot, kind. a lot of people thought the Karen Finley yam thing was was funny. 
Yeah. It was transgressive and it was funny. Well, even yeah. though she was deadly serious and sure. actually acting out a lot of serious issues. Yams of, is know. a funny word. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But but the but the <laughs> but the thing is is that environment uh, was sort of uh, uh, allowed anything. It was it was completely permissive. Right. So yeah. so so and, and it was permissive to the degree where if you didn't take chances that were somewhat extraordinary, you right. were a bore. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was very sensationalist. Yeah. And the thing that was interesting about coming up as an act at that time, and we played every weekend, like eighty four, eighty five, eighty six. I've got a calendar of like all the shows we did. We played virtually every weekend at least yeah. one show sometimes two right which was an insane thing in new york city like there were so many venues to do this stuff and such a huge audience there were so many venues of 100 people 150 people and they um they just wanted something new they wanted something different and it and it was not a rehearsal it was not a showcase club there was no notion that anyone was careering right there was no end destination there was no final place sure. that you would go like right. it's not like it's not like um you know, and and what do you call your act? Like it was just like it was just the thing that was happening in that moment. Yeah, you weren't and, auditioning, and also it. you were like it, it's an odd. Uh, you know, you did you have the uh, accordion? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you had yeah. the accordion yeah. then. So you you had a physicality. You had a you know a strange lack of instruments. You had an old instrument. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had uh, the you know clever uh, uh, lyrics and a, and a and a look. So you know you were kind of you were part of uh, uh, of the freak show. Yeah, a little I bit. I guess so. Not uh, we we <laughs> Not weren't. In a bad we didn't way. feel. No. Yeah. I think we didn't feel like as big freaks as probably some people thought we were. Right. Like, you know what I mean. I think we felt like right. our side was winning. Yeah. <laughs> well, it did. Yeah. I mean, I think that you were sort of ahead of the curve in you know like that that an audience whatever audience you built around you initially and whatever audience came from the the first hit records or, that you had that you know whatever culture has become now in this sort of a nerd uh the the broader nerd branding world you were ahead of the curve on that i guess although in some ways i feel like that a lot of that stuff like the stuff we've been talking about yeah. about that scene is like so gone now no i know I, but like once you guys started making sweet songs that uh, and the sweet people yes. started coming to see you and not drinking that that was sort of a, a precursor to what became a dominant force in culture yeah now. yeah it's it's definitely no longer a, a ufo i mean it, it, it sure it's, right, go right. On, we can play a song and it's, it's something it's that yeah it's like, something that can be described I feel like when we talk to younger bands, we realize like a lot of young people are not worried about this, any of these issues about like selling out and stuff like that yeah. that we were obsessed with at that selling at out that in issue. terms of like you know maintaining your integrity. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Like the idea like, of integrity seems to have gone away. That's gone now, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. That now they they call it authenticity, and it's a little more flexible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Authenticity. authenticity. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can you can actually hold on to your authenticity and compromise your integrity. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> how do we do that? We have got to learn how to do that. I remember <laughs> seeing like an ad. I remember seeing the Red Hot Chili Peppers very yeah. early, like very early on in their career. And yeah. We, we had gotten actually the very first record offer we got was from the label that they were on. Which label? I think it was EMI, which yeah. was like I think one of the most coke fueled labels of uh-huh. that era. Uh-huh. And um, they were not a particularly success- successful act, but they obviously you know had like an incredible look. Who the, 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 the peppers? The Chili Peppers. Yeah. And they did they did an ad for I think Nike or or some sort of on on trend swatch. Yeah. Some some hipsterish kind of th- big 80s sure. thing they did a television ad and it was like watching tv you know i'm watching like the phil donahue mm-hmm. show and all of a sudden the red hot chili peppers were on television and and you know the 
the uh, you know Ringo sexual in me yeah. just was like you can't you're not allowed to do that yeah you just you're, you, you you're gave not away al- your your cool card right you, yeah, you, yeah. you know you you now I, I was thinking like well now the Red Hot Chili Peppers will like never be able to work again <laughs> and and you know and it was you know it cl- sort of climbing down from that <laughs> preset to like where we are now where people just think like that's the best thing that could ever happen to you right. would be to be in a Nike commercial it's so it's such a hard I mean I you know I don't feel like I don't feel old I I feel like I am from another Ex- world extinct, right. you know yeah. like what well, do you remember when the Del Fuegos did that Miller well, commercial well that was that was a well, contentious that was, thing that was a big deal actually that was a yeah, contentious yeah, yeah. thing because yeah. oh they they chose them to represent Boston well it we had a weird you see part of that was weird is that it, I, I mean I think the uh the, what is the word frisson uh-huh. uh was that they it was about authenticity uh-huh. right so like it was like you can't you don't want the topic to be authenticity in the thing that scans as a commercial. Yeah, right. So it's a little yeah, bit, of, yeah, yeah. Little, yeah, little bit difficult. But that sort of ended that a heavy didn't lift. It? Well, I don't know, but uh, we perceived it as a as a bad move at the time. Yeah, because you, know? um, you were around. Because because we had those concerns. You know, like we we were. That but was everything kind of was, was there were so many gate everything was gatekeepers everything was like who approves you but yeah, but, and, but, right? but but we but couldn't over even play it we couldn't play at all these places we wouldn't, couldn't get reviews that, when we started the new york times would not re- review any show south of 14th street <laughs> really the new yorker would not review any yeah because we promoted our own shows and we would like solicit that you know just to get a listing we knew it would sell tickets right and like you know you call up the person who like does just the preview section and say like we're playing uh you know at, at the cat club. We're playing at Shitniks. Oh, the which cat you club. Never heard of. Right, yeah. we're, we're playing right. at PJ Shitniks, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we're wondering if you'd list our show. Like we're doing really well. We're selling out. Blah blah blah. Like you know, sincere. Like you know, I'm just like a 25 year old talking to another 25 year old. Yeah, and they're like, I'd love to help you, schmo. But like, <laughs> but we do not list shows below 14th Street. When you're north of 14th Street. We will. What the fuck is north of 14th Street? That was the dividing line between because no, but I don't even know what's north of what 14th. What would they be reviewing? Everything, yeah, yeah. everything. Rock clubs that adults go to. The Beacon, the Beacon, I, right, yeah, right, places right, right. that hold a thousand people. So when did it change for you guys? Well, it it that didn't change till after we had we were playing we were playing at the Beacon before that changed. Yeah, yeah. I mean that all changed in the 90s. But how did you get the first record deal? Uh, Glenn Morrow, uh, who just put out a really great record of the replacements recently, we oh, actually, the live one in Hoboken, yeah, that one? yeah. Oof. I think we might have opened the night that that we might have been the opening act on that bill. The '86 uh, at, at Maxwell's, yeah, yeah, yeah we that's were the, a great fucking yeah. record. Yeah, wow. Uh, Glenn Morrow runs uh, ran a record label called Barnon, yeah, uh, which is I think put out that that record in question, and uh, was invited. He he made the tape, yeah. Um, uh, and he, his partner, came to us and said, "Would you like to make a record?" And uh, we had had a cassette that was for sale at our shows for like a year that yeah. we were selling many, many copies of, which and had which had been reviewed in People magazine. How'd that happen? Uh, that is a really good question. We like, don't know. Yeah, there were a lot of people who there are a lot of people. But did you our, didn't you get some notoriety? Yeah, uh, at that time for your know, performances and then for the uh, answering machine stuff. Yeah, we had the style song service that was kind of its own phenomenon. Yeah, and that was an interesting way for people to find out about us because they weren't speaking of performance art. It sort of fell into that category of how did it um, work? You just played a song. You'd, on oh, a you'd ha- you, there was a number available. Yeah, you- it was just, it was like in, it was a phone machine in my kitchen, and we yeah. just had we just changed it every day. 
And uh, <laughs> it was very hard to reach John at that time because you had to yeah. sit through the whole. <laughs> yeah. I'm listening to like me singing, going like, "Pick up right. the phone, God damn it!" <laughs> you know. Yeah, it was a very easy. I started my just sort of like Michael Sipe aloofness at uh-huh. that moment. <laughs> um, but you know, a lot of people would call it up, and it was sort of its own thing. Like it, yeah. it, people didn't necessarily even think of us as a band; they just thought of us as this phone line for right. a long time. And uh, but a lot of I don't know, like it's it's probably not that different than being a comedian who gets like celebrated by other comedians. There was right. a commu- a lot of other people. You, you know, like you know, Chris Butler from the Waitresses and and uh, Jewel Shear, um, who's a big songwriter. Um, you know, they would get us like they would get us gigs at club. Like, yeah. like our first show at Dance at Cherry was like a gig that was arranged by somebody we didn't know. Right. It was just like, how can you be that nice? Right. Like, who gets gigs for other pe- mm, for people yeah. they don't know? Yeah, yeah. But it's a very it was a, we we kind of had this people. People went out of their way to help us in this way. I, maybe they felt sorry for us. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly, but yeah. it was just like, it was like a very un- Maybe we should help the two nerdy kids. Yeah, the kid yeah. with the accordion. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They, Lord knows Poor they guys. need help. But like, you know, like Marshall, <laughs> same with like Marshall Crenshaw. These are people that, you know, really helped us at, at very specific times. Crenshaw did? Yeah. Yeah. And like, but we didn't. We didn't know them, so it was like we had was, fans. Yeah, they were, they were. I guess they were fans, and they were sort of expressing that. But it was, it was. So it was you, great. they would bring you in to open for them, or you do not even open. Well, well, that was the other thing is we decided very early on we didn't want to open for people. Yeah, and that was a big mistake. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> kind I mean, of kept you out of the, well, the live it's a, gig. It's a, it's world a morale thing. killer, I think. Do, doing a lot of touring, opening for another band can really crush your your spirit. If you, you know? so, you knew well enough that you were sensitive and that you didn't want to necessarily yeah, like we you know we did we watch did, people we walking just in. To keep it fun. I think like early on we decided we wanted yeah. we wanted it, as long as it was fun. It seemed like it would be worthwhile, and it's very hard to keep it fun. Yeah, you know. So, so you do the deal with uh, Bar None. Bar None. And they put out, they put out this album. Your and, first album. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and the first video on it we made with this guy, Adam Bernstein, who's now a very, very successful, and he's a very gifted director. Yeah. But he does, a, he did, he basically created 30 Rock. He's like the, he did the pilot for 30 Rock and does oh, yeah? lots of, yeah, Adam is a, is a big wheel in comedy stuff. Yeah, uh, and I, I guess he did. He worked on. He did. He did your video. He did. Yeah, yeah. we did the first videos for pretty much zero money. Like, but the, that was when MTV was relevant, right? Or it was, was extremely. It? it was brand new. Yeah, and, and it was um, extremely important at like sort of breaking new acts. And we did the. We shot our videos very. It was very smart of Adam. Uh, we shot them on film, yeah. So they looked really different and and distinctly unsweaty compared to a lot of the other, you know, like the Rolling Stones would be like shooting a video in like some hot, yeah. weird TV studio, looking very uncomfortable, yeah. And then our video would come on; and it would look sort of like this sort of beautiful, <laughs> even though it was made for two cents. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it. I think it also had the quality. I mean, it looked it looks nice now, but yeah. it, it looked sort of archaic too. It looked it kind of like, looked like Hard Day's like, Night. Like yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So like we were these clearly kind of like operating with less money, uh, yeah. scrappy guys, and it they really stood out because we when we did get played on MTV, it would be between like the Whitney Houston right. and the White yeah. Snake videos, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it was like it really stuck. <laughs> and so for the people who would who would be inclined again, to like us, they were like right that that was like oh here's something that I can yeah. relate to yeah right these yeah. two guys yeah, yeah yeah who are the weirdos with the with the accordion exactly yeah and the, yeah. but the second one we did with Adam which. You know, it was unclear whether it would even get played at all, but ended up being like the real breakthrough was the Don't Let Start video, which yeah. we did at the, 
the in Queens at the uh, World's Fairgrounds, which yeah. is sort of semi-abandoned, and now sadly is super demolished. Is it? Yeah, it's really. Oh got, man! Got, I think they like sort of took down the gates, and people just come in and. Don't let's start. Was on the first record. It was on the first record. It was one of those records that it like uh, some DJ in Pittsburgh started playing it just. On his that own was a volition. huge song, right? Yeah, it came out pretty good. But no, but I mean, it did well on the charts. Well, we've never we've never had a number one hit in the U.S. You know, like we've we've we have yet to have a, an actual. But at that hit. but at but, that time, but, the alternative uh, in the alternative scene. But yeah, that was just yeah, the alternative yeah. was college just, radio. It was called that. college yeah. radio. Yeah, yeah. It was the college charts or college rock was what right. it was called, and it did so it didn't even have what the name that it would ultimately. But have. I remember hearing that song everywhere. Is that just did it, is it just that sticky uh, it was a song? Played in a lot of bars in the East Village, I can tell you that. Well, maybe that would have been it. What yeah. year was that? 86? 87. 87. 87. No, I'm yeah. still out here. I, I mean, it, was it used on a, a... Oh, it was on K-Rock. It was uh, on K-Rock. Okay. That's right. And in fact, the first time we came to California, that was the very first time we'd ever been anywhere where people had heard of us before we even arrived. Uh -huh. like all, up in, Everywhere else, we built up an audience. And then by the time we were touring enough, we got all the way here and it was really different because, like, there was a crowd of people waiting for us, which yeah. it felt completely new. And then you had, like, I mean, the second record was like that was if like what what do I know? But I think Anna Ng was huge, right? And well, same was thing. It was a co similar. college chart kind of thing. Like yeah, in yeah, my yeah. mind, it's like you couldn't escape that song. Yeah, it's <laughs> it was like it was everywhere in my head. Yeah. Well, I mean, you but you were also like in the places where it was going to. You know. I mean, I, I guess I'm I sure was. I'm sure there's a song right now. If you lived in Bushwick, there's a song right now by. You know, Shma and the Shmas. That's yeah, that's doing getting, that to people. Yeah, I mean, it's but just I just nature. remember. I guess so, but I, 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 I'm surprised that it didn't chart on the regular charts. It, it didn't, but it felt to us like we were superstars. You know, uh -huh. I mean, that that definitely. But thinks, speaking, thinks, but speaking of gatekeepers, like there was like like the major labels were yeah. really concerned about more concerned about holding on to the things that were had already worked for them. Like you know, this is when like Rod Stewart was still on the charts. Yeah, you know, like right. we were. Go, you know the people. The people on the chart, on the real charts, when we were coming up, were formidable, like rock. You know, stadium acts. Sure. So they had huge amount of money behind them, and I think, I think the labels just—they were very reluctant to. I mean, that's what opened the door for all the indies was because they just didn't see. They didn't see any money there. You know? But still, that you guys were part of that wave, though, that was pushing up against it, that maybe didn't break until well, the early 90s. Of, but... I mean, we sold a lot of records on an indie label. I mean, you know, Tom and, and Glenn on at Barnon, yeah, they sold yeah. a lot of records. They sold hundreds and hundreds of I think we of did, I think we did, at some point, we topped the CMJ chart. Yeah. I don't and you were And you were, you were cut in for the appropriate amount of money? Oh, yeah, we did. It was great. But when did you switch labels? Uh, we got signed to Electra. Uh, at, Why would you make that choice? Nine. Why wouldn't you stay with Bar None? Well, there's this thing about. I mean, there's a thing about success. On uh, success can uh, bankrupt an indie label. Right. Like, they don't have the ability to ride the crazy up and down wave. I think like Glenn was happy to uh, you know get a huge like cash buyout from Electra for uh -huh. whatever it was. Because it's an easier is, way to make money. Be, well, because also like, you know, what if the third album comes out and they've paid us a huge advance and they print up a million copies and it doesn't sell? If you're an indie, yeah. that puts you straight out of yeah. business. Whereas if you're a, a major label, it's just like, oh, that's just another, that's right. one of that's one of 10 records that didn't work. Right. But as far as, for, for our purposes, like yeah. as far as we were concerned, yeah. it was also an opportunity to go, you know, we, yeah. this thing that we thought... We had, we had this notion, I think, that this is what bands do: is they go to Europe, and you can be a much bigger deal 
over there, and then you ride the wave back to him. And that seems like we there were a lot of bands right. that had been yeah. doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, we so, played in 88, 89, we played like, you know, multiple tours of Germany playing in like tiny towns. Beer halls? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and a lot of times it would be like- With an American, accordion. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be like a, a GI, like American, like GI kids would uh-huh. come out to our shows. Yeah. But but they were they were super fun shows, yeah. but they were very very strange. So that was so our third album, Flood, we we had you know international marketing and everything. It was a that was a completely new thing. And how and did we do? Did, and, and we did actually chart and we got yeah. on the top ten in the UK. So and, that yeah. that was that did work. You know they yeah. had they had enough good. machinery. Sold a lot of records. It was platinum. Yeah. Wow. So that was that was that was good. Yeah. And uh, but you know I mean I think the thing is also like. We had a very unneurotic relationship with a lot of times, like when you hear people talk about like dealing with their record label, it's like, you know, the person who's talking is like clearly ambitious, like they want to do good stuff, they want to be successful, they're not crazy. Yeah. You know, and the record companies, you know, they want it to be successful, but it's like, um, you know, it's like uh, trying to get like pandas to mate in captivity, like, like, you know, you have you have these two entities that like just for what unless the circumstance is exactly right, yeah, like they just can't get it going, yeah, and and uh, like I think we were just very lucky that like we were old enough that we weren't afraid that the thing we were doing was going to get like ruined. I think I think you know I, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. bands aren't wrong when bands are nervous about like the thing they're doing being ruined by a label. They're not wrong. You yeah. know, like like that happens all the time. And but we I think we felt like we had done enough that like uh and we were so self-defined that even though there might be people, you know, having all sorts of big ideas about what we should do or how we should do it, it's like we were going to be the art, you know, we were going to we were going to steer our own ship and it didn't really matter, you know, what Mr. Uh, guy in the executive suite says. It's like, you know, he's not he doesn't run this band. And did you stay with Electra for a while? We were on there for almost a decade. How many records? I think what? we made four. Four, four, four. albums, yeah. And yeah. then what happened? Uh, like basically, like they offered us a like a lesser advance, which is what they do when yeah. they sort of like they sort of ask you to leave. Yeah. Like well, one thing that with Electra was that the the people that had the team that had signed us yeah. had all sort of moved on. Right. So there was almost nobody left. Yeah. The president had left. Like it was a, it was a very different company by the end of that. And period. also, like you know. Grunge had come and gone. Yeah, hip hop and hip hop had arrived. So the like ev- the whole, whole cultural. Did anyone sample? Thing. Uh, they might be giants. Yeah, they. I mean, I think they. I think they. They thought we were easy enough to deal with, and we. No, were but hard- I mean, did anyone use your songs? In I'm trying songs? to remember. To, um, uh, there are some. I mean, Girl it, Talk samples. They might be giants a bunch, but oh, I don't yeah. know who else. Uh-huh. But those aren't legal samples. So. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're, we're we're waiting for the one to be cleared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Like it's it's still in the future. Is uh-huh. what it is. Yeah. DJs, uh-huh. listen to the sound of my voice. <laughs> Sample they might. Sam- be there's so much stuff that you easy can terms. <laughs> yeah, we got some hot beats. <laughs> the fact that you you ste- you steered your own ship and you maintain the integrity of your sound and all that stuff, and you eventually added musicians and yeah. became a real band. Was that a big day for you to have a drummer? That was kind of a heart attack for us, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, the thing was- is, the the actual the weird thing is. Oh, you know, there was a You document. tour with a band now, right? Yeah, You're yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we have yeah. Two, For years. There's guys in our band. We, we have guys in our band who've been with us for 20 years. Yeah. And they're still the new guys. <laughs> You're um, that band now. Yeah. yeah. It's like, when you're in this band for 35 years, you can talk about <laughs> yeah, what yeah. we're going to do. You're like Daryl Jones. The, thir- the yeah. second season of Laugh-In really is yeah, the one yeah, you, have right. to, you have to check right. out. Admit it. It's like Daryl Jones. Is that Joanne Worley, the, 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 a genius. <laughs> the, the bass player in the Rolling Stones. Has oh, been right, Daryl Jones. Right, right. 25 years. 
Because I said that to Keith. I said, I Keith miss Bill. He's like, I don't know. Bill, yeah, Daryl's been with us for 25 years. He's a bass player. You know? Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah, we... we what was we had a documentary film made about us that was it was that was it was a very interesting thing to see but one of the things that's weird about it is that there's this whole sort of kerfuffle created in the movie about how like our core audience didn't like the band and i just want to say for the record uh, just as a sort of a correct corrective or if that's the term like the as soon as we got a live band like yeah. the shows became like a complete celebration it was like there's nothing nothing missing right but it did change what we like when we were doing it's like me moving from the garage it's like we you know like we said earlier what were we talking about when right. you, oh when you moved to yeah like you're no longer in brooklyn right right you know like people are weird about change because then like then they have this this conflict within them it's like well i knew them when they right and it's always going to be like we're better because i'm me and we were younger and and they were different right. and right yeah I mean, we t- when we were a duo, we talked a lot between songs, yeah. and I and I, a lot of that talking would sort of probably c- fall under the category of like comedy. I mean, like sure. there's a lot of like just like when it was just the two just, of us. Yeah, we're just shooting the shit on yeah. stage, right. and saying things that you know. Thank God, trying to be funny. Yeah, we were trying to be funny, and and uh, and it was funny, and it was like you know, sort of like a nervous kind of funny, but it was also. Like a lot of times, it was stuff that like I'm very grateful there is no you there was no YouTube. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to thank YouTube for not existing yeah, at that yeah. time. Yeah, but you know, and or then phones that you could record right. on. Yeah. And, and then and then we got you know then we got the band and when we got the band suddenly like when you're on stage with like five other guys, you kind of want to keep the music going. Like you're not just going to sit there and like filibuster about yeah. like what you think of uh, while they're waiting three yeah. three signs. Oh, some or, guys will do that though. They I don't know if they do it as much anymore. Well, but well we, we, we we still we, do plenty. We got of, back yeah, into yeah, yeah. we got back into it, and that's that's the that's the best part. Yeah. Do so you try to crack up the band? Oh, we we yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's the yeah. goal, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's that's the you know <laughs> we try. You know, it's just it's. It, it's good. And how did the stuff like you know having the theme song for Malcolm that must have been a nice paycheck? Yeah, for a that was long a kind time. of a kind of a page turned around the turn of the the century, I guess, yeah. for us because we because we'd had a band for a while, yeah, but we had still not done as I said we were holding off on doing other projects like not just the kids music but um, commercial yeah. stuff of any kind. You mean so, uh, the actual like, product support? You yeah, mean. yeah. One well, that, that but but also doing movie music. I mean, I, I think you we held off liked, on it. We or... would have liked to have done movie music earlier than we did. One thing we noticed the moment we left Electra yeah. was that our phone. It what we actually got the phone calls that came in for us. Oh, oh, right. So all of a sudden, like they've been keeping from right, you. it's right, like right, it's like right, you know, right, yeah, like yeah. it's like well, maybe that would be better project for Bjork, you yeah, know, right. like um, oh, but yeah. but part of it, I mean, earlier we had been just saying no to everything. Well, on, yeah, on, because, because of the sellout issue, because of the sellout issue, yeah, <laughs> uh, which was you know, <laughs> yeah, just like a, a youngster kind of sure. Thing. Yeah. But we ended up doing a ton of TV stuff. We did like the Daily Show. The we recorded the Bob Mould's song for the Daily Show, uh-huh. and we uh, so like the ba ba da ba da. That's that's, that's you us. guys. That's us. Yeah. yeah, and um, and we did. They still use that. They do. Yeah, they use a remix version of our recording now instead uh-huh. of. So, the original, yeah, instead of the original, but it's uh, but it's still, still you, still us, uh-huh. and, uh huh. And but it's really Bob. 
I mean, yeah. he, he wrote the theme. Sure. Although we wrote the second part of the theme. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and then we did like, you know, the, the Malcolm thing, which like was huge. I mean, it was, was a, that a pre-existing song or you asked to write that? It was, it was like a half written song and it only had to be 30 seconds long. So it was like, I got it right here. <laughs> uh, you know, and it kind of fit the energy of the show. Cause we just, we but knew that's it was a about nice boys. payout, right? I mean, well, they didn't pay us a ton of money at first, but it's, you know, over time it's, you know, because it's in syndication and the residuals and stuff like that, we get it. You still get it. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 The, the long envelopes yeah. arrive. Yeah. But that was, I mean, that's the main thing because we entered this whole p p time, which is of doing things where nobody even knows it's us. Yeah. People don't know it's us. Doing like the what? Daily, the Daily Show. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. But I don't know a lot of things. Well, almost nobody. Well, I mean, even don't. our fans, a lot of them don't know yeah. that we're, we're doing that. Like what other things? Uh, what well, are the, the, Mal the Malcolm theme? Sure. Uh, um, amazing uh, Vacation Homes. Oh, yeah? What is that? That's a, it's it's on the travel channel. Oh, you did the theme? Yeah, yeah. We did a, we, we did a lot. We did a lot of themes for like these sort of cable-y uh -huh. shows, yeah. you know. I mean, because you just can knock them out or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did, you know. Your go-to guys for that stuff. We tried. We tried. We, we, we were more, more in that in the beginning of this yeah. century, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we got a Grammy for the Malcolm thing, and then all of a sudden, like, then the phone's ringing off the hook. So, yeah, because it's like you're actually L.A. You know, like you're in the mix in Hollywood. You win a sure. Grammy, it's like you're yeah, and, you're, and you're, at that you're, time you're token L.A. people. And yet, that how did you reconcile selling out with what you were about to be doing? Well, the thing that was nice about the TV stuff is that it was faceless. Like yeah. that, it was it wasn't really you know you weren't it, singing. It was the reputation, yeah, by and large. But I think we also just got over the notion of like we you know we also did a whole string of Dunkin' Donuts ads. Oh yeah, and they we were hired to basically do us. You know, yeah. it's like we want you guys. Yeah, we weren't identified in the ads, but people. Knew. But my wife instantly. Yeah. Yeah. when she saw it she but, like, but as a project right. that was a blast like we were doing original I, part, I like Dunkin Donuts well, well yeah. part of the thing that's fun about doing stuff like TV themes is if you're actually doing some it's one thing to like license yeah. your band's established hit and kind of like have somebody take your vibe yeah. and brand it on their thing right it's something else like to actually collaborate with people and make something yeah. new it's fun to make something new well, yeah and also like if you can you know you know confidently be okay with the the product, you just it's just part of the work on yeah, some level. Yeah. It's like this is another revenue stream, and it's and someone's got to compose this stuff, and there and, and there is challenges to it that uh, I think ultimately inform other things. Well, and all, but and also like just to be you know just get right down to it, like you know if there was ever a band that was like part of television, it's yeah, they, you know I mean they might be giants is clearly a band that has watched television, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and like you know, growing up with that's how you're going to reconcile it. You know, we are television. No, but I mean, like just like growing up, growing up with like we can't know. sell out because yeah, we're, we're in. Right. We're right. in. We're inside the television. <laughs> no, I mean, just like you know, growing up with like the Twilight Zone theme. Growing up with like TV music. Sure. It's like such a part of your consciousness. So I think it's a, you know, it's a very personal thing to decide what your threshold for being compromised artistically. Well, what's is, the like? You know, there's a ton of things we it's, definitely it's, don't it's, do. It's something you feel and you know it when you feel it, but you, but it's hard I think to that's define true. it. Yeah, you know? I think so. I'm, well, I even there's there's a concept that comes up on this show a lot, yeah. which is like being liked the wrong way, which I think is a really <laughs> interesting idea because I think with it's especially true of. I mean, I know that comedians like they'll feel like it's like. They were laughing, but they were laughing the wrong way. I think musicians, <laughs> I think musicians are even more tuned into that idea. Like you really want to be liked, just it's got to be right. It's got, yeah. it's got to be the right way. Like, but yeah, but if you're like, uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen, you know, and you've got some Yahoo meathead fans, oh, you know, you, I hadn't thought about that. You know, part. you're gonna, you're gonna have to. 
you, you know, make peace with that a little bit, you know, because I was, I went to a Hold I, Steady show I, I years never, ago. I would never think about that. I just met, I just met him. He's such a nice man. Oh, he's great. But, but like, you know, there is, you know, an element, there's a broad sort of poetic element to, to, to the Bruce oeuvre. Right. So, right. you know, like, you know, the working class, you know, what he means to people and it, it transcends politics, but you know, you, I went to a Hold Steady show at uh, South by Southwest early on before I even knew who they were. And I'm like looking at some of these people and I'm like, this, you know, Craig is such a sensitive, yeah. you know, thoughtful oh, kind of embrace. And like, these guys are frat guys. Like, and you know, there's got to be an element like, no, there they are again. Really? But, is, that tr- is that really true? The, the whole steady, I would think the whole steady audience would be like the highest percentage of like lit majors. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, you know, you, you, that album that got big for them, you know, was a big record. Yeah. It was a big college record. And yeah. I mean, Cobain talked about it too. He wrote a fucking song about it. Right. That, you know, that these people aren't going to understand the poetry or the sensitivity or even the tone I feel of like, what you're doing. I feel like I shield myself. I mean, if there is an element of, of people in, yeah. in the audience. Well, I don't know, that, if they, I don't know yeah. that you guys have them. I, I, I don't know. We do, although we, we do have a thing online where yeah. if we ever say like, you know, I'm really interested in like evolution and somebody, there's somebody who oh, writes yeah, in yeah, on the yeah. Twitter feed who's like, I thought you guys were cool. Oh, right. You know? yeah. The YouTube like, comments on like anything don't related even, to don't, science don't, don't, is like forget on it. anything. Forget it. On anything. Yeah, yeah. Period. So we talked a little bit about like about the the children's stuff. But wait, what is the? Uh, do you have a relationship with Disney? No, we did, not we now. We did. We we put out in we the did three O's, projects. We did a bunch of kids projects for uh, DVDs for Disney, and they were they themed. asked you. Yeah, uh, we, yeah, yeah. We, After we, the first album, the first kids album like took off. Like they were like very very interested in working with us and what 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 happened to that it was we it was did good. it it was great it yeah. was a fun thing we was basically it the fun pres- to be part of that legacy in a way well it was the the president of disney was this nutty rogue dude named david agnew who yeah who was just basically sticking his neck out for us because he allowed us to do it our own way so we yeah. were, it really didn't feel like the mouse's three fingers were pushing down on our heads (laughs) we we had total control over everything and and you know and david made sure that that was what it was so we were in a very we were in a very unique spot i mean we previously we had done you know it's a big difference like to work for disney and and have and then work with disney there's a big distinction to be made sure and we had actually did we had did some job but I think we, I, I don't, I think technically we were fi- like fired from, um, for some Disney animated movie, and they just were like, "This, we don't like this at all." Really? You know, please, you, would, please revise this. God, that would seem like a, a like a, whether it's Disney or not, it would seem like you guys could do, like almost all the music for. You could be like the next, the new Randy Newman's, for please. Pixar and stuff. Well, you know, we, <laughs> say we, that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> You guys I, could be I, you the, know, the next Randy Newman. We, you know, we just did the song for uh, the SpongeBob musical, and yeah. it's, and it's and it's they did a very great bunch of staging for it. That yeah. It really turns it into a big number in the show, uh-huh. and it's you know it's very gratifying. Like we're you know we're in this amazing company of like you know like David Bowie did a song for it, and like there's an Aerosmith song, and so there's all these like big deal yeah. show business people in it. And but it was nice that like we actually got a, a chance to be part of it. I mean, we're you know we're you know we're essentially uh, you know still an indie act. So yeah, you know, and, and, and you're open to doing that kind of stuff. Well, we'd love to do more stuff where we we just send them the demo and then we get to just yeah. sit around the house. We're especially into the know? big money stuff. Yeah. You, yeah. So you'd like to do big money stuff yeah. where you don't have to travel. Yeah. And, and, and also that that's easy. <laughs> easy. Yes. Easy's good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
how do you how do you get those? How gigs? do we get that job? I don't know. Maybe yeah. someone will hear this. And oh wait, say, like, wait. We have just the right. kind of thing where you can sit down and make wait, a lot I, of money. I also wanted to mention Netflix. Yeah. Okay, you need some Netflix money. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's funny how like like these uh, if you're around long if you're around long enough you see these cycles of crazy money happening. Yeah, I feel like right now it's like a especially crazy money time for some for people. all these things. Yeah, for these things for Netflix. Yeah, I mean. You know, I'm we, just happy to be making a living. Right. Right. right? Ultimately. Oh, I, I think we're all, you know, everybody's in it for the long haul. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like, um, I remember when, like, all the do- the dot-com first uh-huh. generation stuff came uh-huh. around. Yeah. And we would get, like, you know, flown out to L.A. and, like, get some tour of some weird, <laughs> or, or San Francisco, and yeah, be, like, yeah, some place yeah. that's, like, every single thing is white. Yeah. And, like, there's a guy. Sure. There's a like, non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. Just to go in the house. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and, it's like, who did that? Mr. Show did such a great riff on that with Dave Cross playing the guy who invented the delete button. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. goats yeah. and the tofuti breaks. Yes. It, like. Yeah. That was genius. His, yeah. The amount of venom that he has for that <laughs> yeah. is, is very satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully there'll be more good times like that ahead. <laughs> sure. More free money. You're more, hoping more for. More delete it'll, buttons. It'll be yeah, some yeah. Bitcoin-y thing, yeah. probably. I don't even know where you buy those or how you get I your know. money you got to get on the dark web. I'm not. Okay. That's it. <laughs> That's where I get my yeah. drugs. Oh, see, fu- mom, <laughs> you waited till the end. <laughs> She's yeah. She's got bored. She stopped <laughs> she's listening. Not, yeah. Now we can talk. So okay. So what's going on? You guys, uh, you got a new record, or it just came out in January? Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 What's yeah. that one called? It's called, called I Like Fun. And it's your 39th record? 39th. It, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but what's weird, and speaking of things going in cycles, is it's getting really good reviews. Like, like four records ago, we had a record that got really good reviews, and, yeah. this, and this one's getting really good reviews, too. So we're just riding the good vibes of the good reviews. Well, good. It is a lot of records. Are you doing another kid's record? No. Okay. Wow. That's, <laughs> that was very you said that very quickly. Final. Very, <laughs> Who knows? It's over. No more. We've done. Oh, right, right. Who could say, Mark? <laughs> who could say? If the money was right and it didn't take a lot of work. <laughs> that but you see, the good. problem yeah. is that we have a commitment to quality. That oh, see, that's see, that's the that's what's gonna that's what that's, that's gonna what's be slowing the, us down. That's the rub, man. Right that is for the, the rub. simple, right, easy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, huge money on the couch. Well, it's, I mean, the, the great the SpongeBob was a great nexus of the quality was good. Yeah, and it and it was an. Easy I look. Game. I have complete confidence, you, know. you guys, to uh, continue on. You've uh, you you seem well. Well, congratulations to you on all your stuff. Well, thank you. It was a long time coming, and I'm it was, and I'm almost enjoying it. I like I like I like the happy Mark. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Are you coming out to New York anytime? I was going to come out in a couple weeks, but let's uh, have an overpriced meal together. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll we'll get the art. Let's get the artists together. Our treat. Okay. Okay. Excellent deal. Thanks, Johns. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, all right, that was that, that was them, that was They Might Be Giants, that was fun though, right? They feel like old friends to me, you know, they've been around, their music has been around, they were just, they developed with me in their thing, and I developed over here in my thing, and occasionally I'd listen to their music, and then I got to talk to them. Uh, All right, well, before I go... For the last time talking in this garage, uh, we're about two weeks away from my A Few Parts of the World Tour in Europe. Go to WTFPod.com slash tour to get venue and ticket information for London, Stockholm, Oslo, Amsterdam, and Dublin. Dublin. And I guess I'll, I'll try to play a little guitar. I don't have much equipment here, but I might as well play guitar for the last time in here. Oh, no. <sighs> okay.
Boomer lives. <laughs>